in the crowd podcast. Nice to meet you chaps. <laughs> Relaxing I take it this last year <laughs> like all of us. Living Cabida Loca man that's what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of um it's a it's a weird kind of strange kind of psychological pressure on people isn't it it's a very I mean, back in the back in the like uh early 2000s I was, I was on under house arrest for six months and they come around and they kind of put this thing that looks like a shitty kind of 70s digital watch around your foot. And they put up like, um, like a, you know, like a, a wireless guitar rig sort of thing. Where they've got the two aerials and they stick that in your house. And then you walk around the house and see how far you can go outside the door and that. But even that for six months, they let me out after 12 o'clock. <laughs> so, now you've got an invisible one on you now. Yeah, we all have. Everyone's on tag. Everyone's on yeah. tag. <laughs> yeah. I heard about these tags they're bringing out soon where if you drink alcohol like warning sign, warning noises go off and all that and they get alerted at the police station if you take one sip yeah I, that's a new thing they're going to put an alcohol tag around your leg I is mean, that kind of like digital digital for ant abuse or something so you just like you have a drink and you throw your guts up and it grasses you up as well <laughs> that's great <laughs> like, it won't be long before it's like total recall and you get to like the boulder and your head explodes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Running Man, wasn't it? Running Man, yeah. <laughs> Run, not Total Recall. I finally made it. Boom. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, man. Yeah. You've been busy musically? Have you done any... Uh, I've been... Um, calling uh, or shifting for anything? Yeah, I've just been... Uh, uh, I've been working on, like, collaboration with some friends, and that's that's coming along pretty well. It's just, like, it's kind of... It's a, it's a different way of working these days because you're kind of like you're really consolidating files a lot of the time. So you're sitting a bit, bit of a kind of secretary to yourself, you know, and sitting there getting the best things. Because if you're doing file shares, which is the only way we can really fucking do music at the moment. Yeah. Kind of so you've got to make your files good. And when you're going to share them, they've got to be in good quality and they've got to be, you know, in a format. Someone else, if they want to add something at the other end, they can add. Because you can add things, but you can't take away from something, you know, so... That's that's what I've been doing lately, really. That's yeah. Just uh, <sighs> what sort of theme would that be? What sort of style of uh, of music is that? Foul smelling punk rock, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's I seem to have become reasonally proficient at it by now. So, and I now kind of like um, when I when I first got a computer, which is about two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, you used to get like Pro Tools, but you used to get it on a disc. And, you know, you could kind of get one disc and you could burn it off for all your mates, you know, they could put it on their computer, but now it's all tightened up. But I remember Roy gave me a, gave me a copy of Pro Tools and I was kind of like, oh, this is just, I don't know, I thought that was really fucking exciting and punk rock, the whole thing that it kind of democratized the whole process of it. If you've got the, the, um, you know, the wherewithal and you want to know and you can learn about it on YouTube and all that shit. So, I mean, YouTube has been a huge, help to me to learn how to, you know, it's like kind of record and mix your own music. That's fucking the basis of punk rock. Basically, the really idea of it is you could be a kid sat in your bedroom and in theory, you could make a, like a, a huge hit, you know, you could make a fucking huge hit record. And, and yeah, if, if you, if you knew, knew what you're doing, but you can learn to do it now. So that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've thought about that. 
pinging files across to each other and then adding bits and yeah, 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 pinging yeah. it back and gradually making the song, you know, even across consonants and yeah, stuff. It's, yeah. it's I, I like cool, that. isn't it, really? I think, I think it's... Um, it's one of the upsides of the computer thing, really, isn't it? You know, you think, like, there's a, there's a whole downside, the fucking constant, you know, harassment and, and the way you have to fucking, you're like a slave to a computer. Please upgrade me now. You know, it's like, oh, fuck's sake. I thought they were supposed to be serving me, and I'm sitting here going, oh, install upgrade, install update. Why the fuck am I doing that? Why isn't it doing it itself? You know what I mean? Every other day, isn't it, an upgrade? Oh, you need a new update, or you can't work this. Oh, now you've got this new update. The stuff you did have is all fucked up and doesn't work anymore, so you've got to get a new one of that as well. Everything's like that, you know? But on on the positive side, you know, this, the file sharing thing, if you, if you can kind of, Work out what you're doing between a group of people. So I've got like three or four people involved in this thing. It's okay. Send me a bass riff. Cool. What speed's it at? 130 BPM. Stick it in a session. This thing. Okay. Plug in and play along to it. Record that. You know, program some drums to it for now. And then you've got the kind of bass to the song. You're working out this kind of a idea, you know, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, intro, or whatever. And, and you can kind of move it around. But also even even you know, kind of using crappy program drums, you can kind of get a feel what it'd be like with real drums. So that's uh, that's kind of cool. I kind of enjoy that. It's 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 been a kind of steep learning curve from being completely computer illiterate, like you know, ten or twelve years ago, to being reasonably good at it now. Reason doing my own thing, I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, stuff. So I kind of enjoy it. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like, it's like a buzz. You've put this track together. You're not even in the same room together. It's kind of exciting. You think, wow. And it sounds like you're in the same room together because you tried to make it with that band feeling, which is pretty cool. I like that. You know? yeah, yeah. And who would get the final mix on that? Who would get the final say on how that's going to sound in the end? Or would it be, we've got, we've got the track, and then one day we'll all get together and record it, you know, face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, face, well, what do you do with it? Yeah, well, this is, this is like... Uh, I like tracks it's just compiling tracks together cause just to do a kind of like an EP a little EP sort of thing at the moment but it should be I, th- I think they they sound pretty exciting even the demos sound pretty good so I'm quite happy and I've got better and better at it each time it's kind of you know it's the same thing doing the solo stuff where like I kind of I listen back to the the early mixes I did when I was kind of learning to do it and it's like oh cringe man that could have been so much better but that's that's how you're learning that you're getting better when you can see mistakes from what you did before, you know, and you can see that you can do better. So that's good. We do that when we play our podcast back. We're like, oh <laughs> god, why did I say yeah. that? <laughs> we suck. We suck. We suck. What's your guitar rig like? Uh, do you record for a pod, like through the computer, or is it all? I, 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 at the moment, I'm using uh, Amplitude. Right. It's pretty good, but it's like. Fucking all these fucking guitar plugins. I don't really like guitar plugins, but I'm having to do it because I did have an amp mic'd up. Yeah. Just a just a, like an old Line Six amp. Now I mic it up with a little condenser mic. Yeah. And I had that set up upstairs, and that was cool to work with. And I kind of had like a like a duvet over that, and then like a sound blocker in the front, and you could kind of you can kind of get into it more with an amp. All these things yeah, yeah. they haven't got any bite, even though they're cool, they sound good, but with the actual playing, you can't. It's not the same feeling, but you kind of you, know, you just got to make your best with them. So I was using Amplitude that someone someone gave me that, and I'm like, this is great and all, but how do I just get a cool basic guitar sound that you know I don't want 
anything that's got too many bits and pieces on it. So it took me a while just to work out and cut out all the shit and just go, okay, I want to, I want like a decent Marshall sound, maybe a little bit of extra fuzz on it. And, you know, they do all these options of how far you want your mics away from your virtual cabinet. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's very in-depth, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a bit, a bit too fucking in-depth for me. I mean, I guess you can download other people's presets, but I don't want to sound like anyone else. So I'm trying to set up my own sort of sound. Yeah. Well, you know, to be fair, mate, um, you know, listening to your stuff and all that, I mean, you're, you've got a fucking dirty, dirty guitar. <laughs> and it's fantastic. You know, it's filthy. It's great. And, it's, and it works for you. And, you know, across all the albums, you know, I know obviously you may have recorded differently, but, um, you know, you're pretty consistent with your tone and your sound, which is fantastic. You know? To be honest, I know like, I've had other people say, you know, people kind of agonise for ages nowadays over guitar tones. But, I mean, I, I like... Really, I like it to sound like a guitar. If you, yeah. if you know what I mean. A lot of, a lot of, no, no offense to anyone, but a lot of records I hear these days, they might as well use the fucking synth. The yeah. guitar just doesn't even sound like a guitar. I like the sound of the strings being hit. Yeah. That, that kind of feeling, and, and my, I find that's kind of going further and further away as it becomes over processed, and it sounds like a, just a synth with a fuzz box on it, you know, a lot of the guitars yeah. here. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it kind of hasn't got any definition, if you know what I mean. Right. I, I try to get that. Maintain that sort of, uh, I guess, a kind of a, a bit of a kind of an extreme seventies type of feeling. I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's got bite and it's got feeling, and you know. Yeah, yeah, kind of like like the Stooges, you know, like early Stooges or type of. Uh, I've never really thought about it to be honest. All all the like the, the amoebic stuff was um, go into a studio, use whatever you fucking got. Uh, plug in and play. And I didn't. We never even sat and thought about. Oh, let's try and get an extreme guitar tone, or let's try and bring the bass up, or you know, big bit more treble. And it just kind of, it was just how it was. And you just played, amped it up, and, and went in and played. We never even thought about it, you know. Yeah. yeah. We said for that, really, for that kind of naivety, where you don't know what the fuck you're doing, and you're just happy you've made a fucking noise at the end of the day, you know. Like <laughs> you say, that's punk rock. Well, yeah, I try to maintain that even now. However, fucking, you know, you know, it's like we've all got to. I'm not too funny. Okay, be reasonable, but there's too much emphasis on professionalism and musicianship and things like that that I'm not really interested in in that kind of way. Yeah, more interested in like heart energy and feeling. You know, totally. You know, I saw something the other day, and it was of all people, it was Dave Grohl. It was saying all this. X Factor and all this kind of stuff it's bollocks you know Nirvana were just a group of kids got in a fucking room made a noise and we were shit but we got better and that was it yeah yeah that, that, that is, that's totally it that, that, is, that is it you know because I, it must be hard being a kid nowadays being in a band because you've got so many distractions and there's so many things that you could be like uh, you kind of oh let's start a band what are we going to be like we're going to be a little bit like this a little bit like that a little bit like that and then we're going to have a guitar tone from here and we're going to have a bass tone from here and we'll get a drummer that sounds a bit like that and you think fuck man where the fuck are you going to how are you going to be original when you're completely bombarded with all this aspirations you know what I mean it's just like that's don't worry about their uh, online yeah. presence as well these days yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the online presence comes before the, the, the fucking music you know yeah yeah please like my page I don't have a band yet but <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, soon. Yeah. One day I'm gonna start, man. But I'm starting ten years early, and I'll get enough likes up. <laughs> Later on. Yeah. 
forgot when enough I... likes to bother recording something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'll do a crowdfunding. You can all pay for my band. <laughs> People are going to do it. Yeah, right. So you just released the, uh, the Camden gig on cassette. Well, I didn't release it. This guy, Gian, released it. But, yeah. yeah, I saw that in the notes. Yeah, yeah he, sent me, he sent me a load of copies, and that's kind of like, it's, um, it's rough and ready. Like, I kind of I like it. I, I listened to it on the headphones. He sent me because he went, it, it's like audience recorded, but he sent it away and had it mastered in this, the bomb factory, I guess it is, in London. And I, I listened to it on headphones. I thought, oh, you know, another fucking rough-ass kind of tape. But it had a... Uh, there's a bit of an emotional, a bit emotional listening back to it. You're going to hear it's one of those things where you can hear all the people singing along and shouting and shit. It's just like being in the crowd, basically. Which is kind of, it's kind of nice, rather than a desk recording one, which is cool and everything. But then you're not right in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. you said on that one of our other podcasts um, about people wanting physical items now, physical yeah. uh, tapes and vinyls, and not just having a file they hit immediately. And it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I c- it's kind of, it is kind of nice, and you see the artwork, and you see the track list mm. and that, and it's, it's going back to that. And it's, yeah, yeah, because that, that whole thing, in the whole, not that I've got anything against the whole download culture and that, but it's made music and mu- music almost fucking worthless now, you know, yeah. in, in the fact that it used to, I can remember back in the, Back in the 70s, we used to, like, I'd go around to a mate's house and we'd sit and, like, you know, when we were kids, you know, and put a record on it. It'd be like, you no one would speak. You'd just be sitting there listening to a fucking record. No talking, man. We're sitting there listening to this record and that's it. You'd sit there and you just listen to the music and you just get completely, completely involved in it and you completely absorbed with it. Because music, when you're that age, is everything. Mm, yeah. It's not just something that you do, it's, it's everything. And it hits you right in the heart at that age, I think, when you're a, like, when you're a teenager and listen to music, it has a lot more meaning, I think, at that time. And I still try and get that in what I do now, despite being older and shit, you know. But, I mean, you know, you kind of get back to, you think, well, why did I start doing this in the first place? It's trying to kind of, what is art? It's a way of communicating emotion, isn't it, really? So, that's what we try to do. <laughs> your, um, your track on today, the uh, Blue Moon Acid track on youtube yeah that blood moon acid that's with yeah. us seven crowns yeah it was like a like an intense uh sort of spectacle of music that and the video and everything i had it on my my tv listening today you know you, you do before you go on with someone yes so i mean your new stuff is it going to be kind of like that or is it just going to be that's that's a collaboration i, I did with, with with seven crowns so like they they, they already had their kind of track idea down. Basically, all I'm doing on that is a bit of talk over and some background guitar noise. Cause right, okay. <laughs> I realize I'm playing with them. They're all in like drop D, and I realized, how come it's so hard to play in tune with this? Oh, it's because I'm in D standard. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, this is almost impossible to even get a note that sounds similar, but it's like because they're all in a completely different tuning than I am, but it kind of worked out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I just did, I just kind of like, uh, I listened to the track and kind of got, um, a kind of inspired series of lyrics going to come into my head and just kind of I just did a bit of spoken word for them. So that isn't that. I mean, yeah. Well, the stuff I'm doing now is obviously is heavy, but um. Have you got a name for the new the new collaboration, or is it not uh, not yet? Yeah, uh, I've, I've still got to be secret squirrel about it, mate. Really, at the moment, because you know it's but you know it, it's it's kind of. 
it's uh, yeah, it's one of those situations where we have to get on the old fucking social media donkey and do all that shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, yeah. Now, I, you know what happens with with things like this is like you you work on it for ages. As soon as you talk about it, I'm not saying it jinxes it, but it puts expectations from people, and then you end up being rushed into a situation where people go, "Come on, make the album already! Come on, come on!" Yeah, think, yeah, hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? So, th- and then you end up having to try not to people please. And, and push something out because people want it out when you can just take your time, finish it off, and then put it out when you're happy with it. Because right? that's why I don't talk about projects I'm doing in it and say exactly what I'm doing because I don't want to get put in a position where people are going, come on, come on, where's the record? Where is it? You know? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, so it's like, like yeah, it's going to be, I, I, I'm finding it pretty exciting. This is just demos I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, it's. Uh, I guess um, guitar-wise, it's a mixture of all the things that I grew up listening to, you know, and, and all the things that I found exciting, you know. So I kind of, and that kind of just flows through you. It's like kind of the music you listen to when you're a kid's kind of in your DNA sort of thing. So when you pick up a guitar, part of this or part of that, little things you've picked up on the way kind of come out and come out and you're playing, like you know. Yeah, I was going to say to you, I, I read something about um, Amoebics may have started. Black metal by Venom getting hold of one of your demos. Is this is this true? Did did did, did, did black metal come from Amoebics? I mean, obviously. Black, black metal. I think I think some aspects might have. I think yeah. I think I think I'm not I'm not saying hey Amoebics were responsible for black metal because you know I don't think so. Not directly. Venom. I saw Venom. Uh, I saw Venom in '84. Was that that? Oh, Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah, the sound was really, really fucking bad. But I remember um, my brother picking up one of their, I think their first single, and that was like in the twenty-five p box in a record shop. You know, something you can't say. <laughs> oh man, that must be worth a lot of money now. It's, I think yeah. it was like Welcome to Hell or something. I thought this is great. This is like some weird fucking kind of seventies spinal tap, pre-spinal tap type of thing. <laughs> Just listen to this. This is fucking funny. And I think my brother used to write to them at one time. So I'm not, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they've got a bit of influence. Off. I don't, I didn't really get an influence off them because we were already doing stuff way before yeah. that. But so maybe the speed and sort of the darkness of it, maybe. I, 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 yeah, maybe. I mean, I think maybe maybe some of the aesthetic somehow. I, I'm not really sure. I couldn't say it because I like people ask me before. Oh, how come you know you were doing these early kind of uh, cross punk for want of a better word shows or whatever, and a lot of metal people were showing up. And yeah, that was happening. A lot of metal people were showing up. Whether before in the 70s, you know, uh, punk people and heavy metal people did not hang out together and they did not mix at all. Right. Yeah, so that was like, you know, because heavy metal in the 70s was like, you know, spandex dudes with fucking poodle haircuts singing songs about, you know, unlikely scenarios of, you know, devil women and naughty schoolgirls and what, you know, it's kind of pants, really. <laughs> it has got a lot better now. <laughs> lick, my love, love. lick my love bum, man. It was all yeah, very spinal tap, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah, that was like the 70s. Songs of devil women and uh, lustful schoolgirls and um, you know a bit a bit like creme brulee or something. <laughs> brulee, mate. Oh. <laughs> I've been watching those series back, man. They're so good. <laughs> Just oh, my missus never seen them, and I'm making her watch them. And oh, 
she's yeah, she don't get it. Thanks to be in a band. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a band once. <laughs> it's hard to know where it's kind of split between punk and heavy metal, isn't it? Really, some people say it was me, Dix. Well, you know, in, in that way, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just saying from my own point of view. I think metal then. And, and no offence to metal people now, but metal then, I used to listen to things like Thin Lizzy, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. I mean, Black Sabbath to me is still the greatest heavy metal band if you want to go in that heavy metal genre, but yeah. they weren't called heavy metal when they came out. This is what we called heavy rock music at the time, and heavy rock music encompassed a huge different range of bands with different sounds. God, even the Eagles could be considered heavy rock back then. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what I mean? That's that's the kind of but heavy heavy metal now is is, is is a lot of the heavy metal now is is really comes from punk rather than the other way around. The the attitude with it. I mean, the, a lot of it seems a lot more political, and and you're actually saying something rather than you know songs about fucking dungeons and dragons and goblins and you know what I mean. Yeah, well. <laughs> so that's a step up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's scenes spring up all over the place. You know, there's like a great scene in New Orleans and all that kind of stuff with uh, I Hate Golden Down and all those kind of bands. And you know, I mean, that's quite punk in itself. You know, in, uh, totally. I, I hate God. A completely punk rock attitude. I always go and see them when they come to town. You know? Yeah, but, yeah. No, Mike's a big fan of yours. I, I like Mikey. He's lovely. He's <laughs> I always go and see him, and he always gets me in for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we had him on the show a couple of months back, so yeah, lovely yeah, guy. Top, top. I, th- I think I met Mikey originally, at, uh, we played Hellfest in Clisson, France in 2009. And yeah. I met him there, and we kind of stayed in contact ever since, because he's such a nice guy, and kind of stayed in contact with him, kind of meet up every time he comes and, you know, have a lemonade together or whatever, you know? So yeah. <laughs> have a lemonade yeah well, I don't drink anymore so I mean he can do the drinking but I, you know maybe I'll just stretch to an orange juice and, you know, who knows yeah maybe <laughs> can, you, can you ever see there being another kind of like like musical explosion as it were like punk and then obviously then you had the the, the early 90s thing with the grunge and stuff I mean the more the more we're sort of controlled by our governments and CCTV and you know, smartphones and the internet and all that, the more people get sort of, you know, controlled and oppressed and angry, don't they? Do you think there could be another gigantic musical movement because of people's, I you mean, know? In, 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 that, in that kind of street-level way, you mean? When it's yeah. Just people picking up an instrument and doing something. I guess you got that with some of the grime music and and that sort of thing. Like you got kind of kids that are sitting and making these kind of tracks at home. So that's kind of good. I'm not that I'm a massive fan of it, but I can kind of appreciate the aesthetic of you trying to make something out of nothing, which is what punk rock was all about. As far as I can tell, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to play, but let's start a fucking band anyway. And if we have to learn how to play, we can learn later on. It's just the enthusiasm to do it. The, uh, one of the stumbling blocks with that now, I guess is that everyone's a fucking wise ass, man. You want to learn about anything, go on Wikipedia and find out about it. You know what I mean? So, like, everyone's... It's hard to have that kind of naivety where you just pick up and you'll just do it yourself because you're going to be your own self-critic because there's all these little voices coming in, you know? You should be like this, you should be like that, or or this is happening. Be part of that, you know? So 
Yeah, I guess, I guess it'd be quite difficult to get that kind of street level, naive, let's pick up an instrument and make a noise type of thing. It's a whole new world, isn't it? Because like when we were kids, like you'd hear about a band, you'd buy the album, you'd play it to death, so you know, inside out. Now, yeah, yeah. the kids will like, an album will come out, Kid will just read a review on his phone and be like, oh, man, I don't like the sound of that. I'll never yeah, buy it. yeah, yeah. I mean, can you remember sitting there, putting an album on and just staring at the record cover and yeah. reading all the liner notes for hours and hours? That's, that's what I used to do. I'd just get completely lost in it. And then, then eventually you'd work out that this producer produced this record and then you'd look, oh, this guy, oh, Tony Visconti. Okay, I'll get another one of his records, something else he's done. Do you know what I mean? And that was something yeah. like yeah, and you'd learn about labels and all that kind yeah, of stuff. But yeah. we weren't wise then. See, the only way we got information about music was via the music press. Mm. And that, that was it. That was yeah. the information you could glean about. So you had no idea. When you bought a record, you'd be like kind of fantasizing, what kind of people made this music? Yeah. What kind of, what kind of people made this music? Yeah, the mystery of it, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, the mystery. How do you make a record? How do you do that? It seemed like a complete mystery. And, and punk rock demystified the process. Of, of making a record because you know for me growing up it was like how how do you even make a record how does that happen how do you do it you know so it took a lot of that kind of like it's a great mystical art out of it and kind of democratised it for people and made everyone able to have a go at it mm. but I don't know if you're going to get we don't have the tribalism we had then do we no I'm wondering though whether there, there could be something I mean it would be hard because as soon as, like you say, like you were talking about not even saying the name, because as soon as you would start something, oh, well, fucking knows, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as soon as you try to start it, everyone would know and be like, then you'd get the criticism, then the head would go down. And you, then you, you get the criticism. You, you, you fuck you, it off, don't you? Don't yeah. do it. So, it, yeah, it would be difficult. Before, before, it would have to be a completely non-internet driven thing. Wouldn't yeah, it? It'd have yeah, to be yeah. like a, an underground scene where you're not allowed to take your phone in to see this fucking music. I'm excited about it, and I don't yeah. even think it exists. <laughs> That'd be cool. I think you'd have to set up some kind of internet jammer at the door or something. Yeah. So people did doing their phones. They couldn't live stream the gig. Yeah. <laughs> and it would wipe their phone memory on the way out or something. Have, yeah, we just... I mean, actually, I think that Kanye West, he, he, he took everyone's phone off and put him in the locker and said, you're not coming in one of his gigs unless you haven't got your phone yeah, well, which is pretty cool Tool do the same thing you're not allowed in to see Tool if you've got your phone you have to put it in a little bag it goes in a locker is it? Yeah. I, saw, I saw Tool a few times today I had my phone out you just snuggled your phone on the last tour it was like well known you couldn't go you couldn't record any of it you couldn't do any of that that's, that's fair though really if you think about it because I mean you People, but I mean, if they pay to see you, I guess you're part of, you're thinking about that's covering payment costs, really. You're paying for a ticket, so you assume you paid for a ticket, you can record the gig for fuck all and stick it up on YouTube mm. in bad quality. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on a lot of these things. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone expects you to do everything for fucking nothing. Yeah. You know, and really, I mean, if, if you're an artist, you need canvas, you need paint, you know? So you need to have a small turnover to, buy new canvases and paint, you know, and paintbrushes. If you're a musician, you need to buy new guitar strings and make sure your amp works and, you know, all the other myriad fuckeries that goes with it, you know. Yeah. And then people complain if you charge for something. I don't know. So that, that was, 
And that was another thing that, that was really the downfall of punk in the way that we didn't have money coming into punk. We had money going out of punk and going to major record labels, but we didn't have it coming back into our scene and creating something for ourselves, really. Yeah. Not properly. Properly, a proper monetary... Well, you guys were well, technically homeless as well, wasn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You, you all lived in squats, didn't you? Mm. In the days and... You know, what... what, what... What advice would you give to like a the nineteen twenty year old homeless person like living on the street now? Could could you give any advice? Even, even consider it. I mean, you've you've lived it and done it a long time ago, but I, I, I don't really know. There isn't there, what, what advice can you give to someone when you're in that situation? There isn't really anything that you can kind of say about it. Can you say, well, don't do drugs, don't drink? What the fuck else are you going to do? You're on the fucking ass. You're on your ass, and you're on the street. You're going to do drugs and drink just to keep you alive otherwise you're just going to go fucking mad you know it's yeah. it's it's a it's, it's something you can't really when you're out of it you can't really offer anyone advice no. still in it i mean you know some people are on the street and a, a lot of you know back back in those days of the, of the squatting thing a lot a lot of the people that would we would kind of be like father figures to a lot of these young kids that were turning up from abused family backgrounds like violent sexual abuse and things like that that would turn up and it was a sense of family for them outside the abusive family situation they had before so become we're all living in different squats not far from each other we're all going around hanging out at each other's places so you have a kind of a sort of familial type of atmosphere with that particularly for people that have come from really abusive backgrounds and that so that it gave them something i gave it i guess yeah it's well you can't squat anymore anyway if you want to treat you you're either freezing your ass off on the street or you're stuck in the fucking homeless shelter and there there isn't any there isn't any way you can create anything for yourself you're either going to be out on the street in in the proverbial cardboard box or you're going to be stuck in the shelter and you're going to be in the system so you're not going to develop anything outside the system because you're in the fucking system. At least with squatting, you can develop something outside. You can start a place to play gigs and re- rehearse or... Community, yeah. yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, so I, I couldn't I couldn't really... I mean, also, you know, drugs is the thing when I was growing up. Drugs weren't everywhere like they are now. I mean, you can just order your fucking drugs on the internet now. It's not, So it's harder for kids now in a way in the fact that they're bombarded with all this shit all the time. And it's like, it's not, that's not outside a thing anymore. It's commonplace, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 everything's on demand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you go to the pub, see a load of chaps fucking snorting lines of coke in the, in the toilet or whatever, like normal people. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a thing for weirdos and outsiders anymore. It's a thing that everyone does to a certain extent, you know. So that must be difficult. Difficult, difficult for kids growing up now. And also, you know, yeah, how do you disappear these days? It's hard to disappear now. Yeah? No, and impossible, isn't it? I think it's only like, what was it someone was saying? It's only like seriously rich people that can uh, sort of dig their way out of the the mainframe of society and go off grid. Yeah, but you could be fucking impossible. If you you just randomly try to go off off grid, you'd just get picked up by the police or whatever, wouldn't you? And just interrogated like they'd be like what, what are you doing here yeah At society yeah yeah exactly. help. we're gonna fucking exactly. take you yeah oh, so I, mean, I don't know i'm just yeah you, you can't you can't even disappear now if you're a kid and you want to escape to an abusive home environment like, you can't you couldn't really even just 
go off grid. You can't even disappear. No, because you're on every fucking camera from here, from here to London, aren't you? You're yeah. On yeah. So like that's camera, every phone's picking you up, every shop window's filming you, every bus is filming you, every tube is filming you. Every you're driving weekend. around the car, fucking speed cameras giving you a ticket, yeah. and a parking ticket. You can't. You you are listed. Yeah. Right? So you, so you can't get out of the system in the same way that we we were able to in that kind of way. Yeah, you go into a squat, you know, the cops come around to bust the squat, people are hiding out the back or whatever, they can't find who they're looking for because we're not, we weren't all on camera all the time then and our movements weren't tracked so much. We used to, we used to go down and sign on, no fixed abode, like, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, you go down there and you scribble on a bit of paper and they'd give you your money over the counter. Yeah. And then you just fuck off and do whatever you want. Yeah, it's not quite like that anymore. Everything's become more and more constricted. The parameters of the reality have become smaller and smaller, and the things you can and can't do are becoming. Honestly, more, mate, you only got to open your eyes and you hemorrhage your money from the minute you open your eyes. You open that, your eyes and you hemorrhage money, and you're in that system, aren't you? From the, yeah, until yeah. the second you go to sleep, and you're still in it when you're asleep. Your, your fucking heating bill's still going off. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, and then then there's your fucking internet to pay every week, and then you got to wake up in the morning. You just you wake up, brush your teeth, and then go out the door. And now you got to wake up, plug twenty different fucking devices in to charge them overnight. You know, and oh my god, my phone's not charged up. Oh shit, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. if I don't have my phone, it's not charged. Yeah. I'll I'll literally die. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I've lost a limb. What am I gonna do? Yeah. My brain will have to think for itself. Yeah, but the thing is that even if you know if you don't take your phone out now, or you you decide just to go oh, fuck this shit, then the whole of society is geared towards you having your phone. Yeah. You know, so, and you can't fucking do hardly anything without it now. So we're fucking locked into the old matrix, aren't we? You know, really, really. It's kind of stuff in you guys, your your lyrics back in the eighties about the system and everything, and. It's only really got got worse, hasn't it? It's kind of a lot. It's, it's kind of predictions, really. Yeah, kind of horribly true that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rob used to write some really good lyrics when and you think, okay, uh, are there a certain view of a time we're in now, or a possible future timeline? Which is, it's it's not good. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I can. It's just, it's just becoming more and more and more restrictive. Like we're talking about, trying to, as for trying to start a musical thing off that was genuinely outside the system, like how we started things. I don't know if you can do anything outside the system anymore. And that's depressing as fuck, really. Yeah, what can you do outside the system? Nothing. Not, not a lot, really. I was, say, I was actually going to say, do you think, uh, uh, like they're saying, like a. There's going to be like an AI, well, already happening, artificial intelligence revolution, uh, where AI is integrated so much that humans become even more lazy and more kind of redundant, um, and 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 the the artificial intelligence does everything for you. Yeah. Do you think that could? Do you think that could spell the end of, you know, like workplaces having a job where you go there and there's a load of other humans and you all interact and you know, you know, it's 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 coming in. Is it going to phase out? Are relationships going to phase out between people? Physical relationships? Uh, A mass events going to fade out? I I I really, it's already happening, isn't it? That really, get the feeling it's kind of in there. Yeah, what's AI going to do with you? You're just a fucking useless eater, man, really. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. You're just a useless eater. You're just taking up space, man. You know, a, a machine can do it for you or do it. And then what are you going to do? You're going to have a, like a, 
a whole nation of morbidly obese, tube-fed fucktards. I don't know, really, but it's like we're already in a situation where, where we are part cybernized. Yeah. We're, we're already there. Well, it's in your hand, isn't it? The phone's in your hand, but... Yeah. When's it going to be where it's fucking in you? And then you not, can't just throw that phone in the bin. Well, I mean, yeah. Jab yet? No, I haven't had <laughs> my jab. I haven't, no. And I'm free. But, you know, like, people are talking about, oh, you know, oh, people getting, uh, you know, uh, RFID chips. You don't need an RFID chip. They don't need to do that. You go everywhere with your fucking phone. You don't need to put a chip in someone. Yeah? You voluntarily carry your fucking chip around with you in your hand all day long, you know? People are not going to stick a chip in my hand with my bank details and shit. It's already on your phone anyway. Yeah. It's just you're given the, you're given the kind of a, the illusion that this is uh, like voluntary uh, when you have to do it anyway. You know, it's all there already. So I mean, they don't really need to put, put a chip in your hand. All they got to do is keep you addicted to diddling around on your fucking phone all day. You know. And if you don't, and you don't use your phone every day and the computers, and you won't get informed about anything via email or, 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 or socially or anything, and you exactly. gradually will just fall down and down by the wayside until you're just a little hermit indoors. And like you say, AI is not going to want you. Like it's just fuck you right off, won't it? Surplus the requirements, you know. But like surplus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> surplus, surplus requirements. Surplus requirements. If you don't serve the AI god. You can fuck off, you puny humans. That's right. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Connor. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> shotgun in your face. Yeah, that's right. He loves it. But you know, like as as for the as for the you know, we get that. I have these things where I just decide not to go on Facebook for a while. I shut my account down because all all that polarity and that just fucks my head up. You got like. You know, you haven't had your vaccination yet. You're an anti-vaxxer. You're a conspiracy. You know, nothing's nothing's kind of like thought out. You know, everyone's just going. If you believe that, then you must be one of them. And if you think this, then you must be one. There isn't any individualism left. Everything's become so. You're either left wing or right wing. You can't believe one thing from one party and one thing from another. You know, you've got to believe this thing or that thing, and it's that kind of polarity. Invented that oh. name now, didn't they? It's conspiracy theorists, which basically means if you think anything against the government, yeah. <laughs> you're a conspiracy theorist. Like, that, oh, no, that's, actually, well, that just, is uh, what's going on. thinking about things, you know, just like trying to think things from the other side. How you know? dare you fucking question you, reality? How you go, dare you go against it? You're a conspiracy theorist. Exactly. It's got a name for you now. Yeah, exactly. And, and that... And, and no one wants to hear what you've got to say because you're a conspiracy loon. No one wants to. No one wants to hear what you've got to say because you must believe we've got flat Earth. Yeah. yeah. Because that's yeah, that's the polarity we live in. If you believe this thing, then you must believe that thing also. You know. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. can't. It's hard to be an individual because you're going to get bracketed and then you're going to get labelled as this or that. So I try and stay in the middle of these things, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. I don't. I don't go down conspiracy wormholes or anything. No, no. no but you can. I, see, but you I can, do. I do. You know, I do question things. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I'm no yeah. conspiracy we now. Question things. You want to be careful with that questioning things, shit. Yeah. I'll get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Did you see the um, the guitarist from Deftones? He come out as a flat earther, and the abuse he was getting on on, on the internet was hilarious. To be honest, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. But then then you have to think about that. Do you remember when? You know, you see all this trolling and shit and people talking shit online and that. You know, 
In the old days, if you spoke like that, you normally would dare speak to you like that in the street. Yeah. It's an old-fashioned smack in the mouth. We tend to stop you doing that. Do you know what I mean? But we're in a consequence-free environment where people can talk shit about each other all day long anonymously and not have to, not have to kind of face yeah. consequences of that. You know what I mean? So people are, are people are unpleasant, and all their inner inner monologue and demons and projections all comes up. There's some really fucked up people online, to be honest. It shows the real ugly side of humanity. They don't even have a name or a, or a profile no, no. picture. They just uh, come on there, views you, and fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they live for. They just want to. They just want to upset people for to, to amuse themselves. And that's there it. is a lot of that, but you know that. Uh, you, but it, you look into it and you think, well, that guy's an unpleasant asshole. Yeah, he's an unpleasant asshole. But he's obviously very sad, lonely, and a pathetic person that's the only way you can get your jollies is just yeah, by exactly. people up and, and, and talking shit about people about things that you you know you probably learnt from fucking Wikipedia anyway do you know what I mean <laughs> do you know what I mean it's yeah I, I don't know I mean really <clears throat> you go on the social media I think is really a a, um, a kind of a dangerous thing when I first I was doing my solo tracks and I spent ages recording the track and then I'd put it up and it'd get loads of likes and nice comments underneath it and I'd kind of think, hang on a minute, this reminds me of something. What's this feeling? It's like, it's an echo or something. Ah, it's drugs. It's a drug. It's a drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful. It's a fucking drug. Yeah. It's a fucking drug, 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 it's a fucking drug. phone call with Chris Neal the boobs oh cool yeah yeah he, we was talking and uh, then uh, we had a we had a phone call because he's going to start a, a podcast in Madrid he lives in Madrid doesn't he yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, he's going to he's going to call it the self saboteurs and he's going to he's going to talk with his band mate uh, with other you know Madrid musicians and stuff he, he said you inspired because he come on our and he's like you've inspired me to do my own podcast and Oh, yeah, cool. no, so excited for him. It's going to be good. Yeah. Oh, but nice. ask him to do a few questions for you. Oh, no. <laughs> Number one. Quite funny. <laughs> Stig, do you feel disappointed for not being born into landed gentry? If you had, what sort of power structure would you hold over your serfs? All for Terium, or would you be more open to a 
horizontal power structure. What is a horizontal power structure? <laughs> I don't know. It's classic, isn't it? A horizontal power structure. Ooh. Ooh. I, 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 I mean, as I don't know what the horizontal power structure. I'd probably be a real evil authoritarian. Nah. Nah. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't have serfs, man. I'd have like fellow workers. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're not. Yeah, that right answer. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next, okay, question two from Chris Neal. What was it about bacon bite donuts that you freely chose to live on and nothing else for months on end? And how did you manage to stay so thin? Oh, no, they were, they were like the... Um... <laughs> He's talking about... Uh... I'll tell you a story about donuts, right? We were living on um, down on Argyle Road, and we were living in this little basement flat right next door to the, this like Jamaican blues, where these old guys would be banging the dominoes all night and knocking it back, you know. And um, we used to go down to like Tesco's, and we they actually used to lock their skips. And we used to have to bust the lock off, and whoever had the unpleasant duty of climbing into the skip with all the sugary shit sticking to you. And pulling out fucking bin bags full of donuts and stuff like that, and we kind of lug them all the way home. Like, this is exactly <laughs> what you said to me, actually. You said you had about 300 cakes and loaves of bread and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we lived on that. Anyway, we bring, we brought these huge sacks of donuts home and like put them on the floor in the kitchen. And we ate about, we ate a few of them, and then everyone just got sick of eating fucking donuts after a bit. So we left these bags and, and, their donuts started to rot and get white mold on them, you know, and the bags started to look like the pods in Alien, you know, they're just like, I left them out there and then disorder came around day, and we all, and, oh, and there was loads of this um, Nepalese temple ball around and disorder came around. We were all smoking this Nepalese temple ball and we were getting completely <laughs> fucked up. And then this kid, one of the kind of local punk kids comes walking in and he goes, he comes in and he's got this white, white kind of dust around his mouth. He goes, ah, oh, Stig, I really like those donuts, man, especially the ones with the icing on. I was going, they're not iced donuts, mate. <laughs> That's not icing. That's not frosting. That's not frosting. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> if you have like, stuff in his face with these donuts that have been there for months and months and all the jelly and stuff coming out the bottom of the bag. But it was dark, didn't have any electric, so you couldn't see what he was eating. Is he still alive? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, he works for Krispy Kreme. Yeah. In Bristol. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I didn't eat all the donuts. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I uh, his his like... third question is that he said that you miss seeing Zygote, your other band after Amoebics. Yeah. And... He missed seeing him live as he was failing um, to get his life back together, and he feels that he missed out on something. And how was Zygote for you? And what would he like about them? Uh, Zygote, Zygote was um, yeah, we had a good time all the time in Zygote. You know, we it, it was kind of like we partied pretty fucking hard. Hang that. on it. Yeah, yeah, we we. We kind of put, pushed the boundaries away. Yeah, sometimes I, you know, I don't really listen to a lot of Zygote stuff, but I listen to my vocals and I can hear I'm like almost, I'd play gigs and I'd be singing and I don't really like fronting bands too much. So I like being in bands, but I kind of don't like being responsible for the, 
the front man shit, you know. So I used to kind of do it. Me and George used to kind of do a song each or whatever. And but you know, sometimes I thought my kidneys were going to fucking explode singing in that band. Really, just yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some crazy times though. We had some crazy times. Like it was like um. It was like a kind of, you know, I played in the same kind of way I play, but we had like two guitars, so I didn't have to fill in all the spaces with noise like I usually do, so it gave me a bit of a chance to try and sing, which is, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I'm a great singer, to be honest, but Zyga, we had a good time, it took, it was like starting again, you start another band, you have to kind of build up a following of people, and you have to play a lot, so we played a lot of things like, you know, like hardcore festivals like Trawagi, 89, we played there, and that's infamous festival where, you know, <laughs> it? if you look that up online, it's like a dust bowl of drugs, dysentery, and depravity, and death. I think that's what it's said about that. <laughs> but we had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Zygo was... was um, was kind of... Well, I'm not saying it was a meme, it's because it's not. It's a, a different group. Yeah, of, yeah, no. It was... It, it was uh, a mixture of different influences and different people were interested in different types of music. So it was all loud and blurry. And as far as I can remember, a lot of it was fun, but there's a lot of it I can't remember, you know? It was hazy. Yeah. <clears throat> so that album got remastered, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that... Because I, you know, I don't want to admit it, but I did uh, listen to that remastered version of my iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that is that the last one to do? Because it's been released. The the Wind of Knife thing got released a few yeah, times over the years, and and someone got in contact with us to do a, a, a like to do a, a nice vinyl version, because there's been a few rough ass versions out there, and I guess you get this situation where things end up these days, everyone's got a remaster for digital, so you're getting the remaster of the remaster of the remaster of the remaster, and I don't know what happens with that, but I think mean, everyone really enjoyed it. So you it's released cool. it as a vinyl in the US, didn't you, first time, or was yeah, that... The- yeah, 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 did that, that, that was the first US release of it, it was only a little small limited run though, Yeah. and the guy did a good job on it, the art's nice, the actual vinyl looks nice. And, it, and, you know, it's it's kind of like a, what do they call it? A, uh, I, my brain's completely gone numb there. I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, when it, when it's like memorabilia, that's the word, yeah. in that kind of way, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's live in Slovenia. Yeah. Back, that was in, that, well, what year was that, in the 80s, 89 or something, wasn't it? 80, 87, I think. 87, it's yeah. 86 or 87. Yeah. What's it like going to like say the Eastern Bloc back back in back in the eighties, like um, you know, playing gigs? I mean, if you can tell us any stories from that. That was pretty fucking intense, you know, and, and we played in uh Slovenia. But now now all the late, all the uh borders are all different now, aren't they? So we played in Slovenia, we played in um Sarajevo as well. But this is before all the war and all the genocide there. But you know well, I Yugoslavia, yeah. But you could feel the fucking tension in the air. You could feel something was going to happen. We went to this bar. This guy took us to this bar, and then we didn't speak, you know, Slovenian, Yugoslavian, whatever. We didn't speak it. So we're like in this bar, and this, we're just sitting there having a drink, and this guy kind of comes up, and he just leans, and he talks to this the guy we're with, and he's just kind of whispering at him, kind of whispering. It's really gentle, but it, you, you feel like a kind of like a really violent, violent kind of undercurrent there you know yeah, yeah we, we had a good time playing playing the gig was kind of cool 
But, you know, even playing that gig, you could see blood and people were getting smashed against the barriers. And there's a lot of a lot of pent up aggression, like north, south. People hate each other from these different regions. And it was a real. Yeah. I mean, Sarajevo, that's a gig in Sarajevo was more peaceful than the one we played in Slovenia. But that was a, an interesting place to visit with these ancient old medieval, you know, castles and things. It's quite an amazing place. Yeah, that was that was. But, you know, you'd go and play those places. Like when we were doing the movies when we were playing in Italy, you'd play, like, down south in Italy, and you feel like you could just be disappeared, and no one no one know what the fuck happened to you. Fucking hell. Really, really, you know, like, people go play, play places now, and you go there, and, like, bands have been there before. People are kind of used to it. But back in that, back in those days, going down and playing some of those places, you, you, you feel like you could die or something could happen to you. It was pretty hairy ass. When we were in... Um, we played it when we were in Italy. We played in Bologna. This is in the really early eighties. This is about eight, eighty-two, eighty-three. I think we played down in Bologna, and me and my brother were just kind of like we were outside this uh, record distribution place we were staying, and we were just like writing on the wall, having a bit of a laugh. Just and then, then we were kind of like um, just standing there writing the wall. And I felt this dunk, like thing stabbing the bottom of my back. And I turn around, and there's a guy there with a fucking Uzi machine gun stuck in my spine. Fucking hell. Yeah, and and they're two off-duty, well, not off-duty, plainclothes cops. You know, you don't know if they're fucking gangsters or what the fuck they are. Kind of like, you know, young kind of dudes, both with a fucking Uzi, and they just arrest us, take us down the police station, and all we can hear is this guy being beaten to death in the next cell, and the chair's being smashed, proper old-school, like, violence going on. And they took all our passports off us, and it took us a long time to. And they all they wanted to know was whether what we were spraying on the wall was political or not. Right, that's what it was all about. Yeah, it was very right wing, very very. So if they could get a reason to keep hold of you, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see swastikas sprayed on walls, but it wasn't by kids. It was by actual people that were around in the war, still into it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really. Uh, and then you've got all that kind of mafia shit going on as well. It's kind of crazy down there. A lot of hairy-ass times doing those early gigs where you're playing places where no one else, no one else has ever played before. We're going where no man has gone before. <laughs> what, did you all jump in a van or was it on the, on the, on the rail? or what? It was literally like just carrying your guitars on a train or then getting a van somewhere. Yeah, you have to get a, a train from Milan right down to the right down to places like these little places in the middle of nowhere where it's like, like something out of The Godfather, you know, probably. <laughs> and that was in the 80s, so, like, yeah, and you like got say, couple... no one would know where the fuck you were yeah. unless yeah, you found yeah. a payphone job. Yeah, and, and, and the cops <laughs> killed you, it's like, oh, yeah, another one dies, so what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it pretty, some of those things were pretty scary. You think, fuck, anything could happen to you. And it's not like now where everyone knows where you are. They don't, they could say anything, you know. Pretty corrupt and quite of scary. Just you could all just be propping up some some highway road somewhere. In- exactly, <laughs> <laughs> serving a useful purpose. Deconstructive. <laughs> oh yeah, it probably is a few people under that motorway, oh, isn't there? there is. well, <laughs> he never had a job, but at least support the local motorway structure. That's great. <laughs> 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 Your highlight in life. <laughs> <laughs> Stig, let me ask, ask, ask this question. We always ask this question. Um, what was the first gig you, you ever went to? Um, Hawkwind and the Pink Fairies. 
you know, if you're living in a squat together, you're living in the same kind of space. It's, it's either to kind of have agreement on things because you're, you know, it's like we're talking about this thing with the internet communication. You're not in the same room. And even though we're communicating now, we're kind of in the same virtual room, but we're not actually living in each other's pockets. So it's a, it's a, it's hard to get that us against the world mentality that you need in a band nowadays. Because there's so many other fucking distractions. So, I mean, this is why at the moment I tend to just like, I like kind of working on my own, doing these things, yeah, and I'll get sent something and then I'll, I'll work out things. And, it, and you also got to deal with the, the self-doubt thing about is it good enough? It's only my ears listening to it, you know, whatever. And then but you, you kind of do need feedback from what you do. So the, the good thing about being in a band in that when you're living in each other's pockets is you're all talking about ideas all the time. You're sitting in a room and you're someone's writing the lyric down while you're talking or whatever, you know, there's got that kind of flow going on. So it's quite a difficult thing to do a band when you don't live close to each other even. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm not saying never about any of these things. So I go, I don't really see that happening again. I don't particularly, you know, and I, I don't want to do any of these things without the original lineup. I don't, I think that's kind of dishonest. You know, you see these bands and they're calling themselves this band. They've got like one guy that was in the original band, you know, yeah. He was, a roadie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was a roadie for the original band now he's he's the lead singer okay and you're still calling it the same name as your band that's called when none of you are in the band anymore so i mean you got it's hard to maintain some fucking integrity these days but you know that's important to me you know so i go i don't know i mean everyone's still alive as far as i know last i heard but um i don't i think you know i don't, I don't see the point in, in going back on the past in that way. But then, you know, there's a possibility, of, but it wouldn't be just for like, if you had something else to say and you could say it, you know, and, and um, it was a possibility to do, and it, or more to the point, you've got to have fun doing it. It's got to be enjoyable, otherwise you might as well just work in a fucking bank. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, what's the difference between... Well, work from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, work from home, which is kind of what I'm doing this way. I mean, I, I'm sitting here like typing away and labelling shit and making sure this sounds right and making sure that sounds all right. But, you know, it's, I had much, something much more cosmic in mind when I started doing this. <laughs> but there you go, you know, at least I'm doing music, you know, which is you know, something, you know. Oh, it's, it's, it's still there smashing out the whips. So yeah, you know, still yeah. living the dream, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. yeah it's a, smashing, <laughs> smashing out the wrist in a virtual style <laughs> <laughs> Do you still enjoy playing guitar as much as you always have? I do. I do still enjoy it. And I'm kind of developing new kind of styles. They're all very simple. All my stuff, it's nothing, nothing that I play is very complicated. Mm. But, you know, I, I, I like that in the fact that, you know, I, did, I never bothered to learn anything, uh, even the basics of playing guitar. I mean, I, I've just learned to kind of make this sound on it. Mm. And and I and I kind of like I've kind of improved on that basic sound, but I've never actually gone into learning about you know chords or or scales or any of those things. Because yeah. I, I think when you learn too much of that, it takes the mystery out of it. And I kind of like that feeling of putting my fingers on the guitar and not actually knowing what sounds are going to come out until I play it. And that gives obviously a bit more scope. I kind of I like that feeling of being in the unknown area, like you know. Yeah. Like, no, I've never seen pictures of you playing live or anything, I'll be honest with you, but you look like a Les Paul man to me. I? Um, <coughs> I, I, I can rock a Les Paul. I do, I do like SGs, though. Right, yeah. 
I like kind of like SGs. Or, but I was playing, I was doing some project with someone a while back and I was using a Les Paul. And I, I had to admit that even though I haven't like got a huge thing for Les Pauls, it had a bit more drive than SG. I didn't have to play quite so hard. That was quite good. That was quite a good thing. I had kind of the kick-ups really drove it a bit more when you don't have to use just your hand to make it really move. That yeah. was cool. That was, that was quite inter- that was interesting playing it. It had that kind of drive. I'm used to playing like SGs or cheap SG copies. Mm. Beat the shit out of it to get the sound out of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to playing crap guitars, so if anyone gives me a good one, I either break it or it's like... <laughs> Well, the strings break or something goes wrong because I'm bending it too much or hitting it too hard. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I can I can do um I can I can I can I can do a Les Paul. Yeah, I can do, I can do a Les Paul. Epiphone Les Paul maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can play Epiphones, you know. I don't have money for a Gibson, but I love. It's fucking great, man. That the guitar I used to track Sonic Mass cost me two hundred quid. In guitar in guitar center in LA, two hundred dollars, brand new. It has the basic shit pickups that they give you with it, but it yeah. has a kind of a, a naive charm. Yeah, it's, a bit naive, yeah. <laughs> it's like a big beginner's guitar. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the difference really? You know, between Epiphone and Gibson. I mean, Epiphone's you know obviously a made Factories and like, you know, a lot cheaper bit of parts or whatever, but you can always swap out and pick up three and... I think that the only thing I noticed with the SGs is the weight feels a little bit different from a genuine SG and an Epiphone, and that's all I can really say about that. Yeah, ye
that dropped sort of chord feeling, you know? Yeah. And that was what kind of, you know, it's like, you know, it's like something like The Darkest Hour. That The idea for that, the guitar for that, was really a kind of a feeling of like the end by the doors, that kind of droning type of feel. Mm-hmm. I can see it, but no one else can see it. So it's, I'm giving away my fucking secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took it from here and took it from there. Everyone does that, though, don't they, when you, when you talk no, to it's people? Not, it's, it's not it's the rear, it's the feel. The feel, yeah, gives you the inspiration for the track. So I think I'd love to be able to do something that had that kind of sort of a classically type of feeling. If you, if you listen to the, the first few chords of intros to Pinball Wizard, you'll see, you can maybe you'll work out that I kind of got a kind of feel from that, a sort of feeling like that. But yeah, it's a fantastic that. track. I just wanted to mention that because... Oh, thank you. We listened to it yesterday in his garden while we were cooking pizzas. <laughs> we listened to you all day. Actually, we did. We went. We went through the whole. We went through. Yeah, the whole I, I recorded it. On, yeah, that's like I was learning to record, and I had like garage band and like this little interface thing, and I had uh, like an acoustic that had a plug-in, you know, like a plug-in acoustic, and I was just kind of doodling around. I sat there and I thought, wow. Well, and I, I managed to record this piece. And when I first did it, I put all these diddly stupid bits on it. And I just kind of stripped it down just to basic the basic acoustic riff. And I was up there with my brother, and he was he he worked out this lovely vocal line that really fit nicely around it, and that that was cool because I couldn't see how a vocal would fit with it, but he managed to make something that sounded really good. He did, yeah. I mean, it is, it's a great album, and 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 Roy on the drums, it's, it's, it is a it's a great album. And I even went back and looked at some of the reviews as well for when it came out at the time. Yeah, that was really good feedback and really good reviews of that album, isn't there? All pretty much all of them. I think know. so. I don't really, I don't really read a lot of reviews. It kind of freaks me out. And, and you get this. It's nice to see that things affect people on an emotional level. And I think that record has elements of all the things I kind of grew up listening to, and all the things that that we felt about music. And my brother and myself, and you know, and Roy, obviously, he's got a experienced background going back in music and and he grew up listening to this and that as a kid and you know those things that you grow up listening to when you're young kind of stay in you you know yeah. it was good that we I think we managed to get that feeling of like a 70s album type of feel where you've got not a concept so much but it's a journey you know yeah yeah so, you, you, you get to the end of it and we were saying it yesterday like well, when's the next one then yeah <laughs> it's just like why has it been 10 years i haven't actually listened to it since it came out but i remember i remember listening to the the, the roughs when we were doing it thinking how the fuck are we going to link this all up together to be one thing because there's all disparate parts it's all very different and you got you got hard and soft and and like dark and kind of almost light but i think there's when I when I have to give it a listen again, I've got I've got like a CD copy, but I haven't really I never listened to the stuff that I've done. It's not no, through okay. not wanting to. It's just like I think okay, that's done. Now on to the next one. You move on quick. Right. As, yeah, as, as far as I remember, that was um, a record that in, come to me listening to it encompasses Hawkwind even you know encompasses black sabbath it encompasses all those things without being either either one of those things mm. it encompasses all the things we grew up listening to including you know like picked guitar music and um you know all sorts of things and i, 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 yeah. I think i was i was pleased roy managed to really do a really good job on arranging the order of those tracks so it flowed in a nice way he's very clever at that sort of thing yeah it, it does it is a journey the album is a journey yeah, it's like watching a film 
film. Yeah. And his synth work on it is fantastic as well. It, it's yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It was it was it was like <clears throat> Amoebix updated for for this time, you know. So I I, it's, I think it resonates. So I, I'm happy with the way that came out. And yeah, I, 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 Rob sounds great on that album as well, doesn't he? He does. He yeah. does sound. He just he sounds. He's great. I mean, yeah, Rob. All nepotism aside, my brother Rob is one of the fucking true great lyricists, in my humble opinion, and has been consistently. He's always been able to write this. You know, I don't have that lyrical skill. I have like I can write riffs. That's what I yeah. do. But I, he he is a real great lyricist, real thought provoking, yeah, uh, thought provoking, uh, emotional lyrics, uh, kind of cinematic, cinematics. You know. Where you can kind of see it in your head when you're listening to the words. It's, yeah, he's very good at that. And then that's all rugged punk rock vocals as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've actually we I saw Roy uh, drum for Soulfly he, um, back at the Astoria back in the day when he was when he was in Soulfly. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, with Max. Yeah, <laughs> on their first tour on their first Soulfly album, I saw. Roy played at Astoria with with Limp Biscuit supporting. Uh, Limp Biscuit supporting, oh no! Yeah, so that was that was that was a fucking awesome gig. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go because we've right. badgered you well enough. Yeah. <laughs> but well, we'll thanks for talking to us. We got yeah. the important donut questions out of the way, which is good, man. Yeah, no, no. I'm but what sorry. about the donuts? What about the donuts? <laughs> What about the frosting? What about the frosting? Yeah, I, I, I can't even remember that kid's name today, but I mean, he he had a whole face full of something that wasn't frosting. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> in bed tonight worrying, worrying that that guy might not be alive. Yeah, he probably caught some weird, bizarre disease off that shit. I mean, because we had Dutch them, we wouldn't go near them. <laughs> yeah, he might have started this pandemic. Well, let's, let's say no more about that. Eh? No, I've said, I said to Hobo, we're not talking about the pandemic on this one. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> yeah. So we left it. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Dick. No worries, man. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Really interesting guy and brilliant music. So I'll give you a message in a minute because I'm going to ask you a couple brilliant. of things. All right, brilliant. Nice talking to you, chaps. Yeah, yeah thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.